Hi, this is Philip Holland, host of Hope for the Day. I'm so excited that you are listening and you have this to look forward to from today's message. Some of you are at a point, you are so angry and you are so upset and you are about to explode. And when you do, there will not be a a real fire, but there will be a figurative fire that sets forth from your life that is gonna be out of control. And it's gonna set fire to some things in your life that you are gonna really wish wouldn't have been burnt down. That is the strategy of the red horse. Our world is not short on difficulties that we are working through. People from every tribe, tongue, and nation are challenged by wars, famines, earthquakes, disease, as well as many personal challenges like family issues, career issues, and health issues. And as a result, people begin to wonder, maybe now more than ever, is this the end? In this sermon series, we will be attempting to answer this question by looking at the four horsemen in Revelation 6. Through this study, we will not only better understand the end times, but also better understand these difficult times we are in. Now enjoy today's message. What do you feel so led to do? Um, you, you probably aren't aware of this. This was something that happened many years ago at Valley View Christian Church. Uh, but with this church actually used to have a different name. It was Littleton Christian Church, and it was located in downtown Littleton, uh, just north of us here, a few miles. And it was there that the church, many years ago, decided to offer a world-class Christmas pageant. Now, if you want to have a top-notch, top-level, wor- world-class Christmas pageant, there are some things that you need. One of those, in particular, is real animals. And you need a real baby, and you probably need someone who is really pregnant, and so they can they went all in on doing that on this particular year. And so they, they had the real baby, that was Jesus, and they had the woman who was pregnant, and, and that was Mary coming into Bethlehem before she gives birth. And then they had animals, and the church was fortunate enough that someone in the church allowed them to borrow the animals, and so they had a, a real sheep and real goats, and, they, they, and then they even had a real donkey, a real donkey that that Mary would get to ride into Bethlehem on. And so on this particular occasion... Mary's riding in the church on a real donkey in, in, the, you know, in this evening, and as she's riding in on the donkey, the poor thing has a heart attack. The donkey died in the middle of the church, in the sanctuary, in the aisle, right there. All 1,000 pounds of that animal was just dead, right there in the middle of the, right in the middle of, <laughs> as they are going through this pageant, the donkey just dies. And I, I mean, I don't know if you've ever heard of anything like that happening before, this half horse just dying in the middle of a church. Well, it happened on that particular occasion. And, and the reason I tell you that story is for a few reasons. I want you to recognize the first martyr of this church that we had. And, <laughs> and if, we, if you ever see a donkey on a wall, it's not a political statement. I'm just saying, we're just... <laughs> We're honoring the sacrifice of those who have gone before us to help us to be where we are today. <laughs> and I, I have no idea how they were able to get that donkey out of the building, but somehow, some way, maybe using some like Great Pyramid type of technology, they were using some pulley system to get it out of the building. 
But when, when I heard that story, and, and I've talked with others about not necessarily donkeys, but horses, we often have a story that we can remember of an experience that we had the, of maybe a horse getting startled, we were riding it, and, and something happened, and we thought we were going to get bucked off, or maybe we did get bucked off, or maybe the horse just rolled over and somehow we were able to jump off, or maybe you had a child that was left hanging in a tree because they had to jump off of the horse, or, or it was a horse that just darted across a great lawn flying 25 miles an hour. And so we, we often have these types of stories that bring smiles to our faces, about horses that cause us to have a bit of a cheer. Well, as it relates to this passage of scripture that we're looking at over the course of this month in Revelation 6, these aren't the kind of horses that will bring cheers to your life. Instead, what the book of Revelation teaches us is that these are the type of horses that will bring tears to your life. These are, there are horses that you want to own, and these are not the kind of horses you want to own. These are the kind of horses you don't want to have anything to do with. And so we're studying the book of Revelation chapter 6, and as we are, we're sorting out what exactly is, what exactly is going on in, in the book of Revelation, and what is happening, and how can we understand who these horses are, and what it is that they are exactly about. Because as you study the scriptures, you can become a bit concerned. There, there's this uncertainty in the future, and when it comes to the book of Revelation, it really doesn't go well for Christians. There's a very clear interpretation of that book that, that teaches it's going to get worse. And so that's a little scary for us. But we don't have to be scared. And one of the reasons that we don't have to be overly scared about what it is that is to come is this. This is a key interpretive principle when it comes to the book of Revelation. You can look to already fulfilled prophecy to find comfort in the yet to be fulfilled prophecy. You can look to what God has already revealed to us. Because that's really what a lot of our worries and concerns are founded in. They're founded in the uncertainty of the future. What are you scared of? What are you worried about? What are you anxious about? My guess is it's something that hasn't happened yet. And when we look at the book of Revelation, it's not something that should, we should be scared about. Instead, we ought to look to what Jesus is, what we already see in Jesus having been fulfilled. We ought to look to the Old Testament to see what God has already showed to us. And in that, you see that God, guess what? He really does have the whole world in his hands. That God really does have a plan. And a lot of our fear, a lot of our anxiety is rooted in the fact that we don't believe that God has it all under control, that God really does have a plan. And instead, it leaves us in this place where we are, we are anxious, we're worried, we're angry. Think about Jesus, for example. These were prophecies fulfilled by Jesus. A virgin birth, he was born in Bethlehem, he was crucified with criminals, his bones would not be broken, his clothes would be divided among soldiers as they were gambling for them. Now, if you lived in that time of the Old Testament, there would have been a lot of anxiety, uncertainty, even fear about the future because the, the Israelites went off into exile. Jerusalem was burned to the ground. The temple was torn down. How do you find hope in the midst of all of that? Well, it would have been pretty concerning. But now on the backside of it, we look back and what do we say? Well, God had a plan. He was working everything out for the good. We, they didn't know it at the time, but they really could trust him. You don't know it, maybe right now, but you really can trust him. 
It's just you're living in the midst of the uncertainty. And as you're living in the midst of it, we have to attach ourselves to the promises that he has given us. We have to pursue Jesus and the beauty of him and see that God is often using this uncertainty not to necessarily tear our lives apart, but to tear off every part of us that isn't like Jesus. Thanks for joining us on Hope for the Day. This is Pastor Philip Holland, and I come to you today with some bittersweet news. After four wonderful years of sharing the hope of Jesus through our sermons on Hope for the Day, it's time for us to say a goodbye. But before we part ways, I want to extend my deepest gratitude to each and every one of you who has tuned in week after week, allowing our messages to resonate in your hearts and your lives. Your support has been so valued by our team, and I'm so grateful for the ways that God has used this ministry. Now, as we close this chapter, I want to remind you that our mission does not end here. You can still access our sermons, delve deeper into our community, and find biblical resources and support on our website at valleyviewcc.com. And better yet, join us in person at one of our Sunday services at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., or 11 a.m. Now, the reason that we're making this change is entirely strategic. We're excited about what we have coming up, and that has led us as a church to make an adjustment in our approach to this media ministry of ours. And so as we do something new going forward, I want you to keep your eyes open for the Valley View Christian Church podcast, where we'll continue to share sermons, interviews, and uplifting messages in new and exciting ways. So friends, as we bid farewell to this season of Hope for the Day, I just want to thank you again for being a part of our community, and may you always remember the hope that we have in Jesus. And so as we look at Revelation 6, we've got to ask ourselves the question, what are the horses and who are the riders? You've got the four horsemen there. And so maybe when you hear the four horsemen, you think of WCW a few years back with Sid Justice and Ric Flair. A few of you know what I'm talking about here. I mean, these guys were machines. Or when you read about the pale horse and the pale rider, you think of, not a, you don't think of Revelation 6, you think of Clint Eastwood. Uh, how many of you here have seen that movie? Oh my, goodness. look at that. It's a classic. It's a good, I haven't, I mean, you know, that's what I've heard. I haven't actually watched it, but it's on all the rate, it's on all the, you know, it's all, always rated as one of the better movies. And so as we look at Revelation 6, though, we're not necessarily thinking about wrestlers and we're not thinking about Dirty Harry. What we're thinking about here is what exactly is Satan up to? And so last week we looked at the white horse. And the rider of the white horse was, is, in our opinion, it's the Antichrist. That's where we landed with it. But the interesting thing about the Antichrist is this, is he's really not going to actually come on a white horse, just so we were super clear here. If he does do that, it'll be weird nod. He's going to be coming forth more with this, the horse's strategy to confuse right and wrong, to, to make us wonder, is this, something that we should, is this someone that we should follow or isn't it someone that we should follow? The Bible tells us that many, many people are going to get led astray by this individual because they aren't exactly sure what's going to be right and what's going to be wrong. And we, we wonder about it because the guy on this horse, he looks a lot like Jesus in Revelation chapter 19. And so then, as a result of that, there is this confusion between what is right and what is wrong. 
And as you look into the Bible, what you see here is that Jesus warned his followers about this in Matthew chapter 24. So John's teaching, which we read last week, found in Revelation chapter 6, verse 1 and 2, explained to us who the man on the white horse was and what he was going to be doing. And then Jesus had already said this 40 or 50 years before in Matthew 24. As we look through these passages of Scripture in Revelation 6, we're going to find that there is a direct parallel with them in Matthew chapter 24 in what's known as the Olivet Discourse. Jesus said this there, watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. Now, I don't know about you, but for myself, for myself, the the question that I often ask is, will I become one of those people that is led astray? Will will I be confused? Will I get tricked? And I'm, I'm pretty confident that I won't. And I'm pretty confident that you won't either, assuming that you really take your relationship with Jesus serious, assuming that you are really following him, assuming that you're really taking some time to pray, to read your Bible, to allow yourself to be transformed by God's Holy Spirit. If you are doing that, you will have a level of discernment that will never, ever get led astray. Now, there were a few questions last week that we looked at that we need to ask today. Because while the Antichrist hasn't necessarily revealed himself to this day, that strategy is still present. And here's a couple of questions that we need to ask honestly. Is there anything that has been historically established by God as true and right, but now you see it as false and wrong because it benefits someone you love? Is there something that you once thought was absolutely right and true from God, but now you don't know? And if you were to be really honest, the reason that you don't know is because it would benefit you if it had changed. The reason that you don't know is because it would benefit someone you love. Or the other question we ask is, is there anything that has been historically established by God as false and wrong, but now you see it as true and right because it benefits someone you love? And these are questions that we have to honestly answer. This is the strategy of the white horse that is so present in our world today. Now, as we get into the next portion of Scripture, we're going to be looking at the red horse and the strategy of the red horse, which is absolutely present, maybe even present in many of our lives. This is what it says there. When the Lamb, who is Jesus, opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, Come. And then I'll get into those living creatures in a couple of weeks. And then another horse came out, a fiery red one. Its rider was given power to take peace from the earth and to make people kill each other. To him was given a great sword. It says here, first of all, that that this horse came out. He was a fiery red one. The Greek word here for fiery is pyros, which literally means an out-of-control fire. And he's going to be coming forth with that. Now, living in Colorado, we are familiar with out-of-control fires. It's something that we just have to deal with periodically, almost annually now, as people who live here, and then even maybe even throughout the country and on the western uh, side of our country, for sure, that is something that they even have to deal with. These fires just come and they, they wreak havoc. Homes are destroyed. Um, different terrain is destroyed. All sorts of different things happen. In 2002, there was a great fire here in Colorado. Does anybody remember what it was? You can drop a comment if you know. Hayman Fire. The Hayman Fire destroyed 138,000 acres. 
And it was started, and there is some speculation about exactly what this woman's motive was, but she was a park ranger who was dealing with grief and anger from an estranged husband of hers. And whatever the reason was, she went into that forest. Some have speculated she went there because she wanted to set a fire that would cause, put it, create a situation where she had to stay in the state and then her husband wouldn't be able to see the kids as much. That's been speculated. Or she just went into the, she just went into the forest to set this fire to burn some letters that she had written or had been written to her from her husband. Again, there's quite a bit of speculation as to what the motive was. But what was absolutely certain about her is that there was a lot of turmoil in her heart. She was angry, she was upset, and she was in an area that should not have been getting burnt. And because of that, thousands and thousands of acres were burned up in our state. Now here's the thing, that's what anger does. And you may not be ready to go out and set fire to any portion of land near you. But I'm gonna tell you something. Some of you are at a point, you are so angry and you are so upset and you are about to explode. And when you do, there will not be a, fi a real fire, but there will be a figurative fire that sets forth from your life that is gonna be out of control and it's gonna set fire to some things in your life that you are gonna really wish wouldn't have been burnt down. That is the strategy of the red horse. Hi, this is Pastor Philip Holland of Valley View Christian Church speaking. And today I come to you with a mix of gratitude and also for reflection. After four remarkable years of sharing sermons and faith-based conversations on hope for the day, it's time for us as a church to close this chapter. And the reason that we are doing this is entirely strategic. We want more people to receive the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so as we are doing that, we're going to shift towards more of a podcast format. But before we part ways, I want to take a moment to express my deepest thanks to each and every one of you who has been a part of our journey. Your faithfulness in listening, engaging, and spreading hope has been nothing short of inspiring and I'm immensely grateful for your support. Now, as we prepare to bid farewell to this radio show, I want to remind you that our message of hope and faith will continue to shine brightly. You can still connect with us and explore more of our church community at our website, valleyviewcc.com. There you'll find sermons, resources, and opportunities to deepen your spiritual journey. And also, once again, you can follow our Valley View Christian Church podcast, where you'll continue to find sermons, interviews, and other uplifting messages in a brand new format. Now, as we embark on this new chapter, let us carry the hope of Jesus with us wherever we go. Thank you for being a part of this community, and may the grace of God continue to guide and bless you abundantly. And some of you right now, you're waiting on decisions. You're waiting on feedback. Maybe you're waiting on a job opportunity. You're waiting to hear back. And, and, and whatever it is that you're he gonna hear back from, you're rather anxious about. And right now, you're in this tenuous place and you're wondering, how's it gonna go? And if it doesn't go the way you want it, you are going to explode. That's the strategy of the red horse. And the one thing about this fire is it takes it, that, that we know is it took a long time to get everything back to being the way it was, to get it rebuilt 
And it may, in certain parts of it, may never get back to the way they were. And the same is true of our lives. That he's going to use that anger, he's going to use that pain in your life, and that red horse is going to gallop through your heart, and it's going to cause damage that you may never be able to rebuild from. And John reiterates what Jesus said in Matthew 24 again in the Olivet Discourse. And this is what Jesus said. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, earthquakes in various places. And so Jesus is talking about, he's talking about ultimately these ultimate outcomes. But guess where those things start? They start in your heart They start in my heart, and then they grow from there. The strategy of the red horse is this, to create conflict between individuals, communities, and nations. And it's often found in our anger, in the hurt, in the pain that is there. Let's say it this way. If you look back at the text, this red rider, the rider rider on the red horse is gonna come forth, and what's he gonna do? He's gonna remove peace, which will increase conflict. We think that God's peace is something that is natural to us. It's not. God's peace is a gift, and when it gets removed, conflict always follows. In Leviticus, there's a direct connection between God's peace being granted and violence being removed from the land. I will grant peace to the land, God says, and you will lie down and no one will make you afraid. I will remove wild beasts from the land and the sword will not pass through your country. God directly connects his peace with an absence of violence. And we can say, God, that the world needs God's peace. But let's be realistic about it. And let's just be honest about it. The world needs Christians to have God's peace. I've talked to enough of you, I've talked to enough of others outside of our church, and maybe one of the things that is most absent in Christians' lives right now, and maybe even in your life, is God's peace. And I think the reason for it is we are looking to the wrong things to really give us peace. We're looking to legislation to give us peace, We're looking to government officials to give us peace. And I'll wade into this one slowly. We're looking to a vaccine to give us peace. I'm not saying any of that stuff's bad at all. But what I've actually found as I've talked to people is that some of the most angry people are the ones who have gotten the legislation they want. They've gotten the the elected official that they wanted. They've even gotten a vaccine and they're mad, and there's no peace in their lives. And right now, it seems like it's even getting worse. The problem is, is that we're looking for the wrong things to find peace. Those things can be good in your life. I'm not saying that they're not. You've got to pursue Jesus. You've got to make him a priority in your life. You've got to take some time to pray you got to take these worries and these anxieties, these things that you're struggling with, these headlines that just make you mad, 
and quit letting the red horse gallop through your life. And instead, pursue Jesus and realize, just like we just said a moment ago, God's got all of this in his hands. He's got a plan. This isn't surprising him. But we're not on the backside of prophecy. We're in the midst of some of this being played out. And until we get to the backside of it, we can look on what has already been fulfilled and say, it's going to be all right. God's got this. He had it long ago. Last time I checked, nobody's burning down our temple, our church. Nobody's burning down our country like they did Israel. Nobody's taken us off into exile like they did them. And yet they were still able to remain faithful because they knew God would be faithful and we can too. But you have to make Jesus a priority in your life. What are you reading in the morning? I'll take a little bit of time generally to read the Denver Post and just sort through the headlines and see what's going on. That's a good way to see what the devil's doing. If you want to see what God's doing, though, you need to take a few moments over. Well, unfortunately, we have to bring today's message to a close. But my hope is that the word that was spoken was an encouragement to you. That's always our hope here at Hope for the Day. Did you know that these messages are recorded at Valley View Christian Church every Sunday? And if you're here in the Denver metropolitan area, we'd love to have you attend one of our Sunday services at Valley View Christian Church. We have Sunday service times at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m. And we'd love to have you come and attend one of those services and be with us. And I, Pastor Philip Holland, would love to meet you in person. And also remember that the Hope for the Day broadcast is available on your favorite podcast provider. So we look forward to having you again with us on Hope for the Day.